Dennis and Health Naturally, you've been discussing iconic herbs in mm. the Western herbal medicine mm. system. Mm. We've talked about slippery elm and echinacea and golden seal. Mm. And today you want to talk about a herb which is perhaps the rarest and maybe most valuable of the American selection. Very exciting, Jane. In fact, the the herb is really a duo. We talk in herbal medicine about the so-called unicorn roots. So I want to talk about those today because they would be probably the most threatened group of herbs in the United States today and play an important part in our system of medicine. Mm. It is mm. to NURFM's health naturally. We're also going to be speaking about a couple of um, fairly rare herbs and how difficult it is to get hold of them. Uh, Coral has rung in, though, from Mayfield, uh, about a natural antidepressant you'd like to ask, Dennis, about Coral. Yes, um, I have got a few medications for Mm. heart and diabetes, thyroid, gourd that I'm taking, Mm. and I'm I'm doing uh, like a therapy for my um, depression and as well as, like I've been diagnosed as... um, Schizoid personality disorder, mm-hmm. yes. which came from a whole heap of trauma from my childhood yes. and all that crap. Yes. Uh, sorry. Um, so, but I'm feeling that the the depression is what's holding me back from really moving forward on this. So. Okay. Okay. Look, obviously, Carol, you you're being looked after by by your GP, yep. which which is yep. good, which is good. Yep. Um, yep. Any any problem associated with with mood swings? Uh, that point in the direction of depressional episodes, the first thing you have to do is make sure you discuss that with your medical manager, oh, right? Yep, and yep. That, that can be your GP. Um, yep. he, he may well, in fact, refer you to a psychologist. So, so take advantage yep. of that. But having said yep. that, having said that, there are some useful um, natural yep. substances yep. That, that might fit in with your management. But okay. let me emphasise... Uh, what I'm going to say here should be run past your medical manager yes. because yes. you're on a fair yes. amount of other stuff. Yes. And, I, and, yes. I, and I know a lot about your yes. diagnosis, believe yes. me. Look, yes. the first... And uh, can I just say, yes. sorry, yes. Um, yes. that I have... Um, I've been on antidepressants before yes. and they have made no impression okay. on okay. me whatsoever. Okay. I understand. Yes. Look, yes. interestingly... The the herb St John's wort is frequently referred yep. to as an antidepressant, but I'm not yep. I'm not convinced that that is a good term to use with yep. reference to this well-known herb. In fact, okay. I subscribe to the uh, definition given to St John's wort by okay. the by the late uh, Dr Rudolf Weiss from Germany, yep. who um, who defined this fascinating herb in the terms that it was a a mood stabiliser. Okay. Uh, I like that term because it yes. it doesn't actually address uh, serious depression. It tends to stabilise the person's mood swings, and and with your condition, there would yes. be a fair amount of that. So yes. uh, even though even though that herb is referred to in in a lot of the literature, the popular literature particularly, and even okay. some industry literature, um, yes. just mention it to your GP. That um, does yes. he think? that St John's Wort as a mood-stabilising remedy might uh-huh. be useful to append to your management to see if it can just stop these swings and, yeah. and make you a little bit more stable. Yeah. Um, Vice talks about the way in which it, pr- it can promote uh, euphoria, and that is oh, right. uh, overcome what in the old literature would be referred to as m- melancholy episodes. Right. 
So I'm a great fan of that. The other other herb that is also used and is very well defined again in in modern literature is the uh, South Pacific herb, kava. Oh, uh, that's a K, isn't it? Yeah, K-A-V-A. Now, kava is botanically known as Piper methysticum, and um, again, if you were to Google the information on that, you would find that even though it's used as a pleasant a drink by South Pacific people, um, there is a pharmacology associated with it. That is, when it's converted into a, a particular dose form and, uh-huh. and used clinically, it has a, a degree of action against depression as well as anxiety. Okay. So yeah. uh, there, there's so, a second yeah. option. The only thing I would say there, and I'd say this to listeners generally, that with kava, uh, good as it is, uh, one must be cautious about using it if one drinks a lot of alcohol. There is. Oh, no. Um, right? None of that. So, okay. Yeah. Well, look, <laughs> mention, mention those two options. Yeah, um, okay. There is a lot of info, and I'm sure your GP would be up to speed with Hypericum or St. John's Wort. Uh, certainly, yeah. uh, patients yeah. that see me frequently mention that their GP yeah. or their specialist mm. uh, know, knows of this. Try that, Coral. Yeah, okay, good. Thank you so much. To NURFM's Health Naturally. And Linda has rung in. Linda, you've got a question for Dennis about controlling cholesterol, yes? Yes, I do. Um, I um, I have a problem with controlling mm. my LDL mm. cholesterol. Yes. Oh, good morning, Dennis. Hello, Linda. Sorry. That was That's rude okay. of me. I That's really okay. enjoy listening to you. Oh, do you really? That's yes, nice. Yes, I do. Yes, nice. yeah, yeah, yeah. I get so much from, good, from good, listening to your good. program. Yes, and I thought I um a couple of years ago mm. I had some coronary stents yes. um put in. Yes. And um and I've got a few um medications yes. that I take yes. um, you know, to protect me from having a heart attack or of stroke. Course. But but I find it very difficult with the cholesterol medications, the statins. Okay. Um and um fairly recently my cardiologist doubled the dose because okay. he wasn't happy with my LDL reading, okay. Okay. which was three. Yes. And um I'd like to um, just go back to like the dose that I was taking before yes. because the double dose knocked me completely. Yes, yes. Yeah, it just made me really oh, ill. Oh, so oh, oh. yeah, so um, I find I'm okay on the dose that I was previously good, taking, good. but I would also, but that's not Holy that's it. not actually doing anything no. for the LDL. But what I noticed was it's actually reduced my. HDL level, okay. which I don't really want to do. So I'm just wondering if okay. you've got any suggestions of any natural well, things look, I could use. Here, here again, I think that um, we underestimate the uh, the role that natural substances have in modifying our so-called lipid complexion, our HDL, LDL uh, levels and relationship. What I, what I have found um, is that if one uses uh, particular fibre and if one uses what are called phytosterols, and I'll talk about those more in a moment, one can frequently alter the, the, the complexion, the blend of one's cholesterol, uh, in favour of the balance that your cardiologist might look for. Now, what I would be saying, and you need to run this past your cardiologist, is that if he is so inclined and you should be guided by him, if he is so inclined to, say, put you back to the original dose, 
and allow you to use um, a product that is that is based on on fiber, particularly oat bran fiber, and uh, you can get numerous brands of those. There's a good one in the pharmacy that I'll not mention, but it is basically just based on 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 gluten and um, and as a very soluble form of fiber. So the first thing let me emphasize a regular uh, daily uh, measured amount of soluble fiber in some of the better oat uh, brand preparations have been shown consistently to begin to lower the cholesterol level and in favor of, of a good HDL LDL balance. Um, with reference to the fiber I'm talking or one of the, the source of the fiber, uh, go to your pharmacy, they generally know the the uh, the, the recommended fiber that I uh, recommend my patients to go on to, but it's crucial. Let me emphasize this. It's crucial if you're serious about um, helping your cholesterol level at, 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 uh, come down a little bit and get a, bl- a better blend. In my opinion, the, the uh, fibre thing is, is absolutely important to start with. Now, the, the second thing is uh, there are what are known as phytosterols, P-H-Y-T-O, phytosterols, S-T-E-R-O-L-S. Now, these substances have a well-known uh, pharmacology. That is, we know how they benefit cholesterol levels, and they do it by inhibiting the uptake, essentially, of cholesterol across the bowel wall back into the circulation. They stop, if you like, and I'm being simple here in talking about it, they, they interfere with the circular uh, reuptake of, of cholesterol from the system and, as a result, lead to a lowering level of cholesterol and a better blend of it. Now, there is no doubt about these two things working. Uh, it was interesting, just before lunch yesterday, I went to my... Uh, dispensary desk and one of my staff said oh, Mrs so and so rang in um, she just wanted to tell you that her cholesterol level has come down considerably and what it was basically saying was that what I've said to you uh, helped this lady dramatically and I know from many years experience recommending soluble fibre soluble fibre particularly oat bran in conjunction with substances known as phytosterols and there are numerous brands of them taken in the right dosage, that has helped a lot of people, A, uh, not have to go onto uh, statin medication, but in your case, uh, you need to be on a statin, but it might encourage your medical manager to give you a chance to see if this addition to you, to the protocol you're on uh, helps you remain stable on a, on a lower level. Try those two things. To a new RFM's Health Naturally. Dennis Stewart, you're saying that herbs are scarce, hard to get, are they? They are, Jane, and the, the um, herbs that we've just briefly mentioned so far this morning, that is the so-called unicorn roots, they are almost becoming impossible uh, to get hold of these days, and yet those two herbs have played such a crucial role in what we call the Western herbal medicine tradition, particularly because of their specific relationship to many conditions, uh, particularly functional conditions, that afflict the female reproductive system. Uh, And uh, they have become so scarce today that to prescribe them professionally is sometimes embarrassing because the cost of them has reached uh, impossible levels. You're looking at those two herbs now, uh, which will say again, 
basically true and false unicorn root. They're two herbs, weird names, I admit, and we just refer to them <laughs> in the trade as unicorn roots. But true and false unicorn roots, they both have botanical names, of course, uh, can be Googled and seen from the, to be very crucial remedies, as I've said, in addressing many conditions that complementary practitioners would see because many conditions they present with have previously been medically managed, investigated and treated, but the patient may not be responding well uh, to that uh, to that level of management. And we've mentioned in the past, Jane, um, the way in which uh, reproductive management, particularly in what we call functional infertility, um, is a very popular component of complementary medicine using herbal medicine. These two herbs now, to procure them on the world stage, you'd be lucky to get them under $500 US a kilo. Wow. That's if yeah. you can get them. Yes. And even um, to import them now, which I still have to do, is a very arduous task, uh, having to get clearance from appropriate authorities in the US uh, to ensure that these things uh, have been, how can you call it, harvested legally. Because one of the big problems with many of the uh, medicinals that have formed the backbone of Western herbalism is that in, in, in modern times um, they have been sourced almost out of existence. And this, my view on this is, or my opinion on this is, that this has been brought about particularly uh, by the way in which in the United States herbs are essentially seen as food supplements mm -hmm. and not, uh, as we see them, medicinal agents. And so many herbs with potent medicinal characteristics have been taken up and presented in a, in a popular over-the-counter form and have been used in ways that I would question. Herbs are not necessarily food supplements. They are very effective medicinal agents and with all credit to our Therapeutic Goods Administration, they have acknowledged for a long, long time that, that herbs are medicinal agents, alternative medicines, and should be regulated in accordance with the claims and, uh, and production of them. That doesn't exist overseas. Right. And so many of these scarce herbs are being used popularly for conditions that really they're not relevant to, mm. but are very good uh, opportunities to market herbs. Now, that's my opinion after having looked at this huge problem. And it's not only with reference to these two very scarce herbs, it's accelerating across the board now. So a lot of herbs do actually come from overseas do. to Australia. They do. Uh, In fact, uh, on this program, I think we have looked very briefly, admittedly, of the tradition of herbalism that practitioners uh, in this country still predominantly practice, and that is what we call the Western herbal medicine tradition, which has its roots both in Europe, but in, in, in particular and fascinatingly in the US. Uh, as, a, as a, how can you call it, a quirk of history, the uh, indigenous herbs of the United States became very strong uh, components of the Western herbal system that had hitherto developed in Europe since the time of the Greeks. And so many herbs now that we use every day, whether the person be a doctor or a herbalist or a naturopath using herbs, many of those are American-derived. And uh, as a result of that, um, and because of their importance now in Western herbalism, we're having great difficulty keeping costs down and getting availability. So could they be mm. grown in Australia? Yeah. Look, that's a very good question. And um, 
I have over uh, many, many years uh, pleaded with um, herb growers or with uh, horticulturalists and interested people to take seriously the idea of cultivating some of the, uh, how can you call them, the scarce and lucrative American medicinals. It's probably not well known to listeners, but probably 20 years ago I conducted what we called um, seminars in herbs as a cash crop uh, in Newcastle, in Maitland, in Taree, in Bundaberg, in Melbourne, uh, all over the place with huge audiences. But unfortunately, it really didn't take off um, because growing herbs um, is, is hard work. And uh, Australia is a, how can you call it, a, a bit of a layback society, in my opinion, in my opinion, and uh, it never really took off. But today, today, it's certainly taken off in the US. And, and we have mentioned on this program uh, the herb Golden Seal, which without which I literally could not practice. Yeah. Um, golden Seal now, the supplies that are made available to us are at least coming from um, cultivated sources, now, but it can't always be done, Jane. The the unicorn roots, uh, for instance, are very fragile uh, little herbs that grow in very, very select, specific ecologies, and it's very difficult to duplicate that. To a new RFM, this is Health Naturally, and Dennis Stewart uh, is talking about the unicorns. Mm. Now, true unicorn and false unicorn, yes. uh, but, are but, they related? No, look... Um, true unicorn root is botanically known as Halonius, uh, and true unicorn root is known as Elytris. Um, so botanically, they're different uh, in their names, but chemically, their, their so-called phytochemistry yes. is very similar. Um, I'm not going to give listeners a talk on uh, phytochemistry, but uh, these days when we look at herbs, uh, we don't just look at them from their historical perspective and their use but we look at what might be in the herb to explain the benefits that are claimed for it. Now, both unicorn roots have a similar a similar chemical constituent, and that chemical constituent, the primary one, is called diosgenin. And there's a lot of fascination about that because we suspect that in many ways it has hormonal benefits on the female reproductive system. In fact, the herb that led to the development of the contraceptive pill was the herb Dioscorea velosa, commonly known as wild yam. And it it has diosgenin in its chemistry as well. So there's a lot of fascination presently in plant chemistry, looking at these constituents, particularly potential hormonal herbs, herbs that seem to mimic or target the tissues that the woman's own reproductive chemistry targets. That's what we think happens here with these two herbs, the unicorn root, which are used to address things like uh, um, irregular ovulation. They're used also to address uh, fertility. They're used also particularly to address uh, ongoing regular miscarriages, very popularly used in those conditions, uh, and primarily, of course, to help manage uh, some states of infertility where women have failed to respond uh, to modern techniques, these two herbs have been the backbone of my very successful treatment over many years for addressing that situation. So without the two unicorn roots that share the same chemical characteristics and the same uses, 
in my opinion, a person trained, schooled and practising professionally Western herbal medicine would not be able to do as well in addressing those conditions particularly related to female reproductive dysfunction. That is their primary level. And um, my, my cards on infertility, every formula that would ever have been prescribed would have incorporated those two crucial remedies. So look at the look at the areas where where it is used. Uh, you know, there's virtually no condition for which a professional medical herbalist trained properly and understanding the clinical recommendations. There aren't too many conditions associated with female reproductive dysfunction that wouldn't call for those two remedies. I don't know what we're going to do uh, when it's impossible to get them. I re- fortunately, Jane. I'm on my way out, but it's, it's, the, it's the others coming in that I worry about. There will be plenty of people around, <laughs> yes, in the future as well. Uh, the number to ring if you've got a question for Dennis Stewart is 49216216. Ken has rung in from Cooks Hill. Ken, you've had hip fractures and you're looking for something to help you with the recovery of the bone strength. Is that right? Yeah, that's right, yes. Hello, and Ken. Hello, Dennis. I think I've got something to help you with, uh, Ken. Um, oh, right. uh, the you might remember or you might not remember there was a herb that we all used to use that was known as nitbone now right. nitbone was the uh, popular name given to the herb comfrey now okay. co- comfrey is no longer permitted to be used as oral medication uh, mm. despite the fact that herbalists for generations if not hundreds of years had used uh, comfrey in various forms. It yeah. it does contain an alkaloid which has problems, and rightly so. It has now uh, been uh, taken off the the list as permitted oral medication. But the yeah. point about comfrey uh, was and still is that it had a substance in it called allantoin, a double l a n t o i n allantoin. Now allantoin was shown and is still shown to be that constituent in comfrey that is responsible for the way in which comfrey promoted the knitting of bones, the strengthening of bones, and the lessening of the possibility of bone fractures. Now, interestingly, uh, allantoin is a substance that can be procured outside of comfrey. It comes as a white powder. Uh, Mm -hmm. It's taken in very, very small dosages, remarkably small dosages, uh, but I have, uh, I'm thinking of a patient now in Cessnock who uh, is almost an evangelist for Alan Toyn because of the way in which it uh, helped her, her horses, and uh, all, to, all, all to do with broken bones, slow healing bones, and bones that were prone to fracture. So if there's, yeah. any, if there's anything that is going to help, it's Alan Toyn, A-L-L-A-N-T-O-I-N, um, yeah. And uh, it's very safe. Google it, and you'll see that what I'm saying is spot on. If you had a problem like that, or if I had a problem like that, that's what I'd be taking, Alan Toyn. Good. Oh, that's really good to know. And uh, I, the only other thing I was taking or thinking of taking was um, uh, calcium citrate. Yeah, look, calcium citrate's useful. It's a very uh, assimilable um, form of calcium. Um, mm-hmm. Uh, calcium is not always that easily uh, taken up, but in that form, I understand, it's better assimilated. Obviously, you, you have to have good 
uh, calcium levels to have good bones. It, yeah. It's difficult in our society today to see how people could be critically deficient in calcium, but it would be a useful um, appendage covering your bases, so to speak, to incorporate that, get onto a bit of allantoin, and, and I think you've got a combination there that will solve your problem. That's that's my opinion. Health Naturally with Dennis Stewart on 2NURFM. Other herbs, um, we've talked about the two unicorn mm, roots, yeah, the yeah. true unicorn yeah. and false unicorn. Yeah. But uh, would there be other herbs that yeah. have similar characteristics to the two mm. unicorns? That's a very, very good question, Jane. Um, I've, I said earlier that it would be difficult, um, almost impossible, to duplicate entirely the benefit of those two remarkable remedies. However, my um, fascination with the Ayurvedic system of traditional medicine has led me into a whole garden full of possibilities with herbs from that tradition. You know, Jane, I said to someone uh, recently at the seminar that I conducted last weekend, I said the best degree that ever I did was an arts degree. And they looked at me and I said it was in that degree as a result of studying history and philosophy that I was introduced to the Ayurvedic tradition, history and medicinal system. And that was going way, way back to my days at UNE, um, way back in the the 70s. Uh, But what I picked up there has uh, lingered with me and from the Ayurvedic tradition that I first learned about at UNE studying uh, South Asian civilization, we come across that herb, uh, the Sanskrit name of which is called Shatavari, S-H-A-T-A-V-A-R-I. Now, Shatavari is a remarkable remedy, and um, its Sanskrit name is Shatavari, uh, which means, interestingly, and I'm not being vulgar when I say this, but she who can accommodate a hundred wives, or a hundred <laughs> husbands, I should say. Husbands, yes. <laughs> there is an equivalent male herb as well. But uh, basically it connotes in that terminology the way in which that remedy was used, still is used to promote, if you like, uh, reproductive capacity. Uh, and so Shatavari, Asparagus race mosa, is its botanical name. Uh, I wrote a paper on it. I think it was one of the first to write a little practitioner paper on it. I'm using that these days considerably, and uh, it's now, if you like, become a lot more available, a lot more available to practitioners who are using it to some degree to seek to emulate the potential of the true unicorn roots, the rare herbs from the American continent. So there are other herbs, particularly from the Ayurvedic tradition. That's good to hear, Mm. Dennis. Mm. Now, Steve has come back and his Ah. line dropped out. Steve, hello, you've rung in from Charlestown now. You've got a meniscus tear? Yes, and guess what? After 30 years of listening to Dennis Stewart, I've now got to the age where I've got to talk to you about big problems. (laughs) Okay. Well, you know, you know that happens to all of us, Steve. If you hang on long ago, long, long enough, I'll talk to you about my problems. <laughs> oh, now you've got to finish at one o'clock. Okay. Uh, all right. Tell me. A, I've had this meniscus tear in my knee. I've yeah. had it repaired via a, a key. What do they call it? Arthroscopy. Okay. Yep. But I am still walking around with a damn walking stick, and and it is still any sort of pressure or weight or turn it suddenly, whatever, and it still hurts. So is there anything you can suggest that I use? Yeah, yeah look, two, two, two things 
I would certainly uh, give, a, give it a go with, and um, uh, both of them are very safe. Even though I spoke earlier, Steve, about the role of allantoin, particularly associated with, with, with bones and bony structure, a lot of people that are using allantoin are using it for this sort of situation um, that is not classically associated with, with broken bones but associated with connective tissue, so to speak. So um, I would be suggesting to, to start with you get hold of some allantoin. It's, as I said to the previous listener, very safe, very economical, and has a good reputation in, in muscular and skeletal traumas. So that's number one. The, the worst thing that can happen there is it mightn't give you the results you're looking for, but it's worthwhile giving, a, giving it a go. The other thing is don't, don't lose sight still of, of the glucosamine and chondroitin axis. Now, I know that the, the, those substances are more uh, prescribed for osteoarthritic-type conditions, but the, the scope of possibility associated with those two substances, in my opinion, are worthwhile you're going on to a course of glucosamine and chondroitin and, and working with that. And with those two substances, I have found that so-called bioflavonoids are very, very good companions. Now, bioflavonoids have multiple benefits, and, and one of them is to promote uh, strength of connective tissue, to promote healing, to lessen the infl- inflammatory activity. So I would be surprised if you uh, didn't get some benefit from that simple little trilogy of natural substances, the, the allantoin, glucosamine and chondroitin, and also the going on to the bioflavonoids. Ah, well, something to work on, Steve. Good luck. Now, Carol has rung in from Dora Creek. Carol, you've got a question about osteoporosis, yes? Yes, that's right. Hello, Dennis. Hello, Carol. Um, Yeah, I heard you talking about this allantoin. Yes. Now, I am taking actinel once a week. Yes, yes. The osteoporosis. That's correct. And I was wondering if the allantoin would help strengthen my bones. Look, it may, but you must not go off that preparation that you are, because what it seeks to do is is to promote the uptake of calcium, um, not uh, not address any one particular problem. You would not be doing yourself a favour if you yeah. were to, if you were to go off what your no. good doctor has prescribed. Having said that, having said that, yeah. because allantoin is such a a broad spectrum substance as far as its usage is concerned. And because it is so economical with such a very, very small dose, uh, I'd be encouraged to, uh, to certainly discuss it with your medical manager because it's unlikely to clash with anything you're taking and because it's not an expensive substance. Yeah, look, it's, it could be worthwhile. And all mm, the best with mm, that, Carol. Mm. Len has rung in from Maryland as well. Now, Len, your question's about prostate cancer. Yes, good, mo- uh, good morning, um, afternoon. Dennis, I've got a... Uh, my urologist is treat- treating um, my prostate. Good. Right. Um, but the thing I thing that's happening, I, I was a big drinker once. Yes. But if I go out and have a few beers now, uh-huh. Uh-huh. say I might have half a dozen schooners, right? Yes. I then have very difficulty in passing water. Okay, okay. And my, my urologist, he's going to look at it in, in the new year, but, okay. you know, if I go out to a party or something, a Christmas party, and I have a, 
probably no more than six six or seven schooners because, as I said, I was a big drinker. Yeah, yeah. Um, mate, I'm in agony. And is there any herbal thing I can okay. take to release okay. this okay. pressure? Okay. If I referred very early in this program to the German doctor, Dr. Rudolf Weiss, he has a, a lovely little section dealing with sore palmetto. Now, sore palmetto is poorly understood, I would contend, by urologists, practitioners and lay people. But Weiss refers to sore palmetto in the correct dose, in the right preparation, as being what he calls a natural catheter. Take it on board. Weiss says in his book, Herbal Medicine, the sore palmetto is a natural catheter. Now, what that basically means is that it promotes easy urination. Uh, give it a go. No guarantees because they don't know yeah. enough about your condition. But no, no. Um, so it's, it's sore. Is it sore? S A W sore. S A W palmetto. P A L M E double T O. M E double T O. Yeah. Now you must discuss it with your urologist. I can't. I can't see how it would clash with the therapy that I know your urologist would have you on. Yeah. And it might just give you. An edge for 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 um, doing it. I haven't got prostate cancer, but I have no problems in saying that I take sore palmetto every day of my life, and sure. uh, and I don't have the problem that you have, which will afflict, by the way, many people who may not have many men who may not have prostate yeah. cancer can still have problems with enlargement, which leads to uh, transurethral resection. Um, that particular herb can, in my opinion, lessen the drift towards that condition and make urination easier and more complete. That's been my experience. Uh, I can't vouch for it. It's safe, but you must discuss it with your urologist. Well, uh, good luck with that, Mm. Len, and thanks for your call. And that is bringing us to the end. A fascinating program. Of Health Naturally today, (laughs) hasn't it? Thank you, Dennis Stewart. Oh, thank you, dear Jane. It was great. And we did have fun, didn't we, and some very good calls. Uh, We'll be back next Friday after the Midday News on 2NURFM. Thanks for listening to this podcast from 2NURFM at the University of Newcastle. Topics range from gardening to health, well-being, pet care, finance, business and travel. You'll find them all at 2NURFM.com.